Good morning, Cincinnati, and welcome in to another edition of the Bearcat Brunch Podcast, brought to you by our sponsor, Royal Links Golf Tours. Have you always wanted to play golf at St. Andrews? Have you always wanted to have that perfect pint of Guinness? Well, you can with Royal Links Golf Tours, a tour specialist offering unforgettable golf experiences to Scotland, England, Ireland, and Wales. Their custom itineraries are more than just golf trips. They are immersive uh, cultural and country experiences that will surprise and delight you both on and off the course. Royal Lynx Golf Tours is owned by former Bearcat quarterback Hayden Moore and his partner, UC alum Jeff Bartholomew. So if you'd like to play St. Andrews or Valley Bunyan or enjoy that perfect pint of Guinness in Ireland, Visit their website at royallinksgolftours.com or call them at 770-331-1525. And with that, we are back with a winning, another winning edition of the Bearcat Brunch Podcast as UC traveled to Dallas and defeated the SMU Mustangs 29-27. Uh, I am your host, David Simone. I am currently flying solo. We, uh, Jeff, our, our, my wonderful co-host, Jeff Howell, is parts unknown in Kentucky. He, uh, he told us that this could be happening, uh, and then I got sick and totally forgot about it, and we did not discuss as a team how we were going to uh, manage this episode, so that is on me. So hopefully, you know, if he uh, gets some internet or has some availability, he can jump on, maybe... Aaron will jump on. Maybe Chad will jump on. I have no idea. But so right now, you've got me. I'm sorry for that. Still getting over a bit of a cold, but feeling better. So hopefully I can manage this thing on my own and not uh, not be too distracted trying to look at multiple screens and, and ramble with incoherent thoughts. But um, to the game itself. Not going to call this one a weird one like the South Florida one. I'm going to call this one a frustrating one. Uh, you know, as frustrating as as I've been with a win in a long time. Uh, I don't want to take away from the win itself, as we see every week in college football. It's hard to win. It's hard to win on the road. It's hard to win when you've won a ton. And everybody is trying to stake that claim to be the one that knocks you off of your perch. Oh, welcome, Darren. Glad to have you uh, joining us as a new YouTube member. Really, really appreciate that. Uh, also appreciate uh, Marcus saying he's he's got my back. We'll see how long that lasts. You know, it depends on what I say, I assume. <laughs> so, but... You know, it was just, it was a lot of frustration because it's a lot of the same stuff we've been seeing lately. And whether that's inconsistencies on both sides of the ball, the undisciplined activity when it comes to the penalties, we'll get into that. Uh, and maybe it is just, this is what this team is. And that's can be fine. You can win a lot of games with with really good talent and and having still having some issues, 
but you know it was from the outset it was it was a frustrating game uh i did not really understand the scripted plays i made it made a twitter joke that maybe we were trying to fool them by running our bad plays in the first 15 plays they were just it just felt uh, unimaginative a, a, a deviation from what we had seen conservative if you will um you know Trey Tucker with very uncharacteristic drops. He's one of the more sure-handed players on the team, and he comes out and and drops what I thought was a fairly easy catch on the first play, drops a jet sweep, uh, pop pass. So it was, it was odd offensively. Um, Charles McClellan had another... Another really good game, but even there, he's got he gets six carries in the second half, and one carry. Hello, Chad. Hey, Dave. Someone, someone came to to help me out. Thank you. <laughs> I know that I know this is early for you. <laughs> I haven't been up long, but I'm up. Hey, it's good good to hear. But uh, so I, I appreciate it. Because I'm sure my voice still cannot handle an hour and a half of me just going by itself. Uh, and I'm sure people don't want to hear my awful sounding voice for an hour and a half uh, by itself. But you're also on mute. So good morning. I, I got it. Kelly's looking at me. So you talk. <laughs> I'll join in a moment. Okay. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to piece piece thoughts together, um, and just thinking about like poor red zone execution. SMU obviously something to do with that. I mean, you can't. You, it is harder when you get down in there. Um, certain plays are out the window. We we know all that stuff. But like, you should be better. You should be good enough. They are awful against the run, and I. And we just, we could not take advantage of that in the red zone. Like, I'm not exactly sure what we were trying to do on the one third down, running a quarterback, you know, delayed quarterback draw. We had another, that was definitely in the red zone. Uh, there was a play later in the game on, on third down. I'm not sure if it was red zone or kind of red zone adjacent where we're running a read option. And Ben keeps the ball. I mean, I, I don't think that was the wrong decision by him. I just like what I don't understand the the play itself. Um, so it just it was just very disjointed and very discouraging coming off a of bye week when all we talked about was this is a great time for a bye. You can do some self scouting. You can work on your tendencies. You can you know, unveil some new things. You can break some tendencies and it just felt like none of that happened. And I'm, I totally understand the weather factor though, especially the wind factor, like whether you're with the wind or against the wind, it is, it can be an issue and it is an issue throwing the ball. Like just because you're going down the wind doesn't necessarily make it easier to throw the ball. I think sometimes it can make it harder because you, it's, you don't know how much touch to put on the ball and, and things of that nature, but it's clearly easier to, in general, 
to go down, going downwind. And we saw that both teams had much more success scoring when they had the wind at their back. But I, I'm, I'm kind of, I mean, Tyler Scott's absence cannot neuter an offensive game plan this much. Like you need, you should be able to have, um, you should be able to still do this thing, a lot of the same things that you have done just because you don't have him. Now it does seem encouraging. It sounded like he went through a pretty good warm up and just didn't, and just didn't feel like he was ready to go. So hopefully he can, uh, he can be ready for UCF next week. But, you know, I think Corey Kiner needs to be <clears throat> used in a more varied way. I think he's really good at what he does, but it's becoming a little too predictable where he either, if it's either blocked up really good or he makes a guy miss or breaks a tackle, it can be a big game, but he's, there's no middle ground. It's, it's one, two yards or it's, or it's like a 20 yard run. And I think, you know, when he comes in, it's just a big flashing light of they're going to just run it up the middle basically. And, you know, maybe you need to pass more when he's in the game. Maybe you need to try a couple different runs and, and maybe that's just not what they see him doing or, and they've tried it in practice and it has been successful and that's why they don't do it. But, his, his carries are, you know, what was his, let me see here. He ended up 13 for 43, but one was 22. So he's got 12 carries for 21 yards outside of that. And Chuck finishes 16 carries for 129, including the big 76-yard run. So, you know, he's got... Still has got that burst, and I just, I just think he needs more carries. Like, that's just a personal thing. Um, 16 carries in a game <clears throat> against a team that really struggles to stop the run in a game that two of the four quarters, your neither team had much success throwing the ball. In a game that you are up 29 to 15 going into the fourth quarter or 29, 14 going into the fourth quarter. I did 35 dropbacks for Ben Bryant in that game to me is too many. I mean, they can say otherwise and they're the experts and they're six and one and they've won 19 straight conference games. And I get all that, but I mean, if we're fans and I'm, I'm looking at this in a certain way, this is just, you know, what I'm taking from this game and, and kind of re revamp re-looking at everything this morning is I think Chuck should have gotten more carries. And, you know, Ben struggled again, you know, 18 for 35, 200 yards, no touchdowns, no turnovers, definitely missed some throws, definitely was hurt by some drops. Um, I mean, none of the quarterbacks played well. I mean, he was 18 for 35. Their quarterbacks were 21 for 40. It was uh, it was not a passing clinic by any stretch. So, you know, I think there's a lot to can still be worked on there. But you're getting to the point now where 
excuse me while I see the point now and, and you know I think it's been kind of brought up in the chat a little bit so far and I'll try to get to you guys as much as I can like this is kind of what the team is there's they're an inconsistent team that has big playability that still has a lot of really good players but is not they're not to the level of last year's team. I don't think anybody expected them to be, but I think sometimes we get caught up in these, in the moment of these games and we see, you know, 2021 college football playoff team, 13 and one, 18 straight in the conference. And we just think that like, we should just blow all these teams out. And, and last year's team had, their issues. Last year's team, the best team in school history, had a two-game stretch where they did not look good against Navy and Tulane, who both went two and ten. <clears throat> so to think that this year's team, without those players, would come in and not have any situations like that, any situation similar to two weeks ago against South Florida or this week against SMU is probably a little, you know, unrealistic, but you can still look at yesterday, especially because they, for three quarters, even with the offensive issues, like they dominated that game, you know, and we'll get into, I'll get into some other things that I, that I think um, that I didn't love that kind of played into this and we'll we'll start. Hold on, let me um let me take a break here real quick. Sorry, definitely still sick of trying to trying to clear the throat. Don't want to do that for you guys. <laughs> but I think you know I you guys know I am like I make jokes about not kicking field goals. I make jokes about never punting. I'm all right. All- we're What's that? I said, all right, I'm here. Okay, thank you. Um, I am and we talked all... about the wind. I have talked about the wind. Okay. It was definitely a factor, and it's not – it's a factor both ways. Like I said, I don't – Yeah, it affected both teams drastically. Well, I'm, I'm saying, too, I don't – like, every, you know, just because you're going down the wind, I think that can be just as hard to throw the ball because you don't know how much touch you need to put on the ball. Because you're not sure how much it's going to carry it, you know. Mason Fletcher punted a ball 110 yards. Yeah, I mean Ryan Co hit a what 52 yard kick that probably that would was have good been from 65, 70. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's just it. So it uh, it definitely played a factor, but and that I. Uh, I'm trying to collect my thought of where I want to go next, but oh, I was talking about the my love for aggressiveness, and I get it. Yeah. And sometimes you're going to, if you're going to dive full into the aggressiveness, there are going to be things that don't go your way that you have to say, "Hey, I still understand it," because I'm all about being aggressive, and you're not going to be a hundred percent when you're when you're doing those types of things. With that being said, I absolutely hated going for it on the fourth and one in the second quarter 
and I will explain my rationale as clearly and concisely as possible. It's fourth and one on their on their own the 46 yard line with 837 left in the second quarter. It's 17 to nothing. To that point, SMU had run 17 plays in the first quarter for 45 yards and an interception. In their two drives in the second quarter, they had one first down and had been sacked three times. So in a quarter and a half, when you take negative yards into account, they had less than 40 yards, an interception, and had been sacked three times. Like I said, I love being aggressive. But if you pick up that first down, you're still not in scoring range. Like, you're still going into the wind. You still have it. Say you just get the one yard. Now you're on your own 47. So there's no guarantee you're going to still score. It's not like you're in the red zone. You pick up a first down. You get a new set of new set of downs and we're going to kick a field goal no matter what and or we score a touchdown and you have a great punter i mean we i think we can say that mason fletcher is a great punter so i have no issue with him he kicked one into the wind it was totally fine i would have had no issue with him punting there to be fair what to be fair at that point, he had not kicked one into the wind. To that point, no. But I'm sure he did in warm-ups. Uh, we don't know that. I'm going to guess that they would not have only kicked downwind in warm-ups. Either way. Well, what if they did kick in warm-ups and he struggled kicking into the wind? I don't care. He's a great punter. I'm, taking, I'm letting him kick. And the defense is playing lights out. Like, Isn't that also part of why you take your chance there? The defense is playing lights out, so you but, can... Yeah, I'm just playing devil's advocate. No, I don't I necessarily get, I agree get what with you're it. saying, but my thing is, is you punt there, you and this is going to come back to, and I'm probably on an island on this one too, but like, I wouldn't have kicked the field goal late in the game that got blocked, and this is my rationale behind it, is if you punt there, that's not a momentum change. Like, that's just a, a fourth down, they punted, whatever. By going for it and not getting it, that changed momentum. Like, that gave them their, – their offense isn't coming on the field after a punt and being like, all right, now let's get going because we the defense made them punt and now we're all of a sudden going to get things – we're going to, you know, get things figured out when we haven't done a single thing for a, qu- a quarter and a half. And so by not getting it, now you give them momentum. They get a short field with the wind. So you're basically like, I mean, if they even got didn't even get a first down, they could probably kick a field goal. And I just didn't feel it was necessary. Like, let your de- let your kicker and your defense dictate the game also. Like they are dictating the game right now. You could have made a play on defense. You could have – Mason Fletcher might have had a great punt. Mason Fletcher might have just had a decent punt, and it's at the 20-yard line. And that offense that had done nothing has to go 80 yards. 
or what you know to score a touchdown. I just I did not think it was a, a necessary play because I did not see like the immediate the immediate payoff. What to me wasn't there that you got that you get that first down and like all of a sudden like boom we can we can do something. It's it still needed to a lot of things still needed to happen. And that's why yeah. he's just he's always over aggressive in that situation. You knew he was going to go for it. Yeah, and I didn't like it. <laughs> and, and that's I don't what know. I say. Like I'm the aggressive I, I guy. Like, I'm the aggressive guy. Like, but you also need to like read the game. Like, and I don't think Luke is this like analytics guy. That's like, oh, it's fourth and one inside. You know, at this yard line, it just oh, it looks at a car and it just says go, and he goes go. No, I think it, he just goes. Right, but I I just feel like it's like I don't know. I, I just looked at it. It was like let your let your kicker, who's really good, your punter, who's really good, and your defense that's really good and playing great. Let them like take over for for this portion, and you don't have to squeeze every you know every inch out of every situation. You can. Let a team that is really struggling shoot themselves in the foot. Uh, you can let a team that is really struggling. Tanner Mordecai was way off of his game all game before he, he went He looked out. terrified of the Bearcats defense. He, he had no idea what was going on. He it, it was the epitome of, like, they talk about quarterbacks seeing ghosts. He was seeing ghosts. He had no idea where the where the pressure was coming from, where the coverage was going to be. Yeah, he, he looked was, he, he looked super sped up. He looked. I mean, so that's that's my other point is like you have a quarterback that's supposed to be good who clearly does not feel comfortable, and you know they run the flea flicker is pretty good. I mean, it's good coverage. It's just a really good throw. They almost got to him for a sack. Um, but I just, I just didn't think it was a necessary call. Risk. Yeah, I just didn't. I didn't see the. I didn't see the reward <laughs> to the risk. In the sense of, <clears throat> so you get it, and the, and now what? You still got to go with you know, you're into the wind, so you still have got to go twenty-ish, twenty-five yards to be in field goal range. If not more than that, as we saw. Right. And, and, you know, that's, that was my other part and I'll, you know, you, you go for a second. Cause I need to take a sip. Okay. I, I just, in that spot, I, I, I agree. I would have, you're, you're absolutely controlling field position. You're controlling everything that SMU is trying to do. If you punt, they don't have an opportunity to take a shot. I, I think the shot is where the the risk doesn't outweigh the reward because you put them in position to do exactly what they did, which is one snap, take a shot. Like, no in-between. You knew, absolutely, on that first play, they were going to try to make Cincinnati pay for that. And I think that's where, you know the risk inherently just isn't worth it there if you don't get the yard because 
they were completely dead to that point. Right. And we went over and, it last night. We went over it last night on the, the nightcap. It was like six plays, three plays, three plays, four plays, three plays, three plays. Like they have five possessions in the first quarter. And I think they gained 20 yards. Yeah. So for whatever, like, even if it's, you know, and he wasn't, I don't think, I mean, he might've, he, he did kick 150 yards into the wind. I don't think he's going to get a touchback there, but let's say it dies in the wind and they take over at their 25 yard line. Like I, I would say a 25 yard punt would be the absolute worst case scenario because like a golfer, shout out to Royal Links golf tours. When he kicked it into the wind, he didn't put any air on it. No, he's going to kick it low and he's going to turn it over so that when it does hit, it rolls. Yeah. And it was, it was a, a per, like a golf shot into the wind is the, the kick he had into the wind. Um, I, yeah. Like just lean on, lean on what was working at that point in time, because even with 17 points, like it wasn't, it wasn't like the offense was humming to get them there. No. So, yeah. Right. I mean, I, had, I agree with you. A, I was just you a, presenting some. You had a field. You had a field goal on a drive that started at the t- on their ten, and, and you and had a, went you had a 76, 76 yard touchdown run. Right. It wasn't like they were just you know marching up and down the field. Uh oh. There. No. So I lost him for a second. Oof. But no, but that kind of takes me to my other one is the the field goal in the fourth quarter. And I'm probably more on an island on this one than even the, the going for it thing. But again, fourth quarter, it's 29-14 with 8.33 left. You had the 44-yard kick into the wind. If you take a delay game and punt the ball, just say it's a terrible punt and you only net out 20 yards. They've got there and they've got the ball on the 20 yard line with around eight minutes to go and they've got to score two touchdowns. Yeah. What what do you think our chances are at that point? Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Preston Stone has been in the game for one drive at that point. Hasn't done it, didn't do anything. They turned it over on fourth down. <laughs> You see, then went on an over six minute drive. I mean, just a great clock killing drive to essentially end the game. What you want to see when you're up 15 on the road in the fourth, you get the ball at the end of the third quarter, you take it, you go all the way, you know, six minutes, 8.33 left. It's kind of the exact same thing about the other calls. Like, how do you give the other team momentum in that situation? Well, like, here's my here's my question. Missing the, missing the field goal, which is certainly a possibility from 44 yards into the wind, or by having it blocked. If you punt the ball there, no one on SMU's bench goes, okay, we got him. Like, th- that was the momentum shift that we needed. Did Ryan Coe, going five for five to that point, probably alter that situation? Probably. Because I don't like I don't think I don't think at the beginning of the game they would have tried that. If that makes you know what I'm saying? 
Right. I mean, and, and and I don't disagree that it shouldn't. Like, he was he kicked the ball very, very well yesterday. Yeah. Like, but I'm reading the situation. I am reading the fact that to that point, I mean, SMU had not had the ball in the fourth quarter. UC started the end of the third quarter with it, took it into the fourth. So through three quarters, SMU's offense had 156 total yards. They were one for 11 on third down and been sacked five times. So if you punt there, what do you re- like? What do you really think is going to happen? Like, if I'm if I can only base that off of the first three quarters, what what do we think is going to happen? Instead, they block it. You know, Bryce Burton, badass, makes a awesome tackle to keep it only a 17 yard. You know. 17, 18 yard return. But then, you know, they've got the ball at their own 38. And it's not like they went down the field and scored in an instant. I think it was like a six minute drive. But, and yes, the defense, you need to, like, I'm not going to absolve the defense of any fault here. Like, you played great, but then, okay, like, you just let a team that hadn't done squat go right down the field and score. When you needed to, you know, just make a stop and the game's essentially over at that point, you get the ball back and offense salts it away. So you need to make some plays too. But I think you got you just play the game a little a little differently in two instances. And I'm not sure we're having this conversation of like this frustrating game of inconsistencies and undisciplinedness and you know, if you maybe are just not as aggressive twice, I think we're looking at like a totally different way that this game plays out. But isn't that's the rub with being ultra aggressive, right? It, it is. It is. And and Coach Fickle had a, a, a post game comment that I thought was fantastic in in its like brutal honesty is that. This team plays great in the chaos. Yeah. Like, and has for a long time. Like, when when you really need something to happen, they make it happen. Tulsa. But two-point, like, Tulsa play, Ivan Pace in the end zone. Two-point conversion play yesterday. Third down play, which, you know, play calling is easy to be critical of. Because you see it doesn't work, and so you're critical of it. So I get it. But, like, <coughs> I loved the play throwing the ball to Josh Wiley on that third down. Because you knew they were just thinking they're just going to run it. They're going to let the clock go down. They're going to punt it. And we got no, you know, they're going to try to just stop us. They were not thinking they were going to throw there. Right. So I thought that was great. Um, so you're being aggressive there. So I'm again, I can't be aggressive guy and then be super critical of it. But I just looked at those two instances where I'm like, you don't have to go hundred miles an hour, you know, metaphorically every single time. Here's the problem. When you go a hundred miles an hour, guess what? The crash is worse. Sometimes you wreck. Yeah, and and when you crash at 100 miles an hour, it looks a lot different than when you crash at 45. So uh, that's 
you know, that's that's where you get into the into the weeds, into the kind of the danger zone a little bit. Um, the penalties. They're developing a reputation at this point. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. the part that, like, you know, whatever it was, six false starts in the second half. Terrible. And and like, all it was is that stupid shift. Like, yeah. And that's that's given it. them problems before. Fall for it once or twice. Like, okay, five, six times. Right. Like, that's just being undisciplined. And I'm I'm frankly amazed that they were 10 for 22 on third down, considering half their drives. They're behind, you know, behind the change, or even more than half their drives, probably, especially in the second half. They're behind the chains almost every time. I think they were five of eight in the first half on third down. So then, so, what, five of 14 in the second half? And the problem there, obviously, being you had 22 third downs. Which points to a problem on first and second. And guess what was happening a lot on first and second? Penalties. False starts. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and I I thought Robert Griffin III and Mark Jones were as, bad, at all as bad as you could be. And that's, uh, I, like, I like, I've liked all of RG3's stuff. There, there was just some, like, players' names wrong, like, just, just some very, very weird odd things but rg3 was he said it you know on one of um it's like third and seven ben it's kind of getting pressured they had a crossing route and he kind of just under throws it throws it in the dirt and yeah, it's a bad throw but rg3's like you know though when you run it on first down and you run it on second down for one yard and two yards like you're kind of hate kneecapping your quarterback like, yeah. you're kind of telling everybody what you're about to do here. Like, you're not helping them out very much. And that, to me, is, like, kind of the thing that I go back to. is like, he didn't play well. But, like, <coughs> I don't think he was put in a great spot a lot of times. I mean, he, I don't even think Ben played that poorly. I don't either. I, six drops. I mean... Two of them to Mardner probably should have been touchdowns. Um, <clears throat> I mean, what would I have told? What would I, if, if I said before the game, Dave, Tyler Scott's out. Trey Tucker's going to have one catch for nine yards and have probably the worst game of his Cincinnati career. What would have been your opinion of this offense? Would not have been too successful. Jaden Thompson... <laughs> Is coming around. Jane Thompson had a really nice game. I thought getting Josh involved um, much more was was really good to see. But then again, like you get into the red zone and they disappears. Yeah. And you the, kick the three, tight ends in the red zone is a little mad. You kick like, three f- red zone field goals. Where, I, where, I, we've <laughs> we've we've looked at the numbers. They're throwing to the tight ends plenty. Like that argument, I don't necessarily agree with what i do agree with is in the red zone you have two giant dudes and you're not look i mean and and those plays a lot of like the fade route you know the mardner like comeback 
um, like back, like it was, it was supposed to be a back shoulder. It wasn't executed great last week or two weeks ago, but you got the gist of it. Those plays are called in the huddle. Like, and what I mean by that is that Ben knows where the ball is going right. when the ball is snapped. What, what, why aren't, why aren't there Ben knows where he's going when the ball is snapped plays to, to Josh and Lenny? Yeah, I mean, the percentages, you know, if you look at percentage of targets, I don't think that's off kilter. Right. It's right about in line with with probably where, I mean, are you going to throw it? I guess the question when you look at those percentages is, are you throwing it less to, to Trey and Tyler? Because for the most part, Trey and Tyler have been wide open all year. Like they're not generally throwing it to those guys like in a crowd. So one was about like 29%, one was 28% coming into this week. Um, I think that's about right. And then the tight ends were like 22% between the two of them. Um, you, you add that up, that's like 70% of your passing offense right there. And and you still have other talented, you know, guys you want to spread the ball around to. Jaden Thompson, Nick Martin, or Chris Scott, um, the now developing weapon that is Blue Smith with catches in back-to-back games. Um, that part, I think, is fine. But in the red zone, get them the ball. They create with their size and their hands mismatches that you should be able to exploit and take advantage of in red zone situations. Correct. I do want to get back to the penalties because, like, you hear this old cliche, like, you either coach it or you allow it. Well, I'm pretty damn certain they don't coach it. Right. But at some point, like, and I'm, and I've also been the one that's been like, I don't mind the aggressive penalties because that's what sets this defense apart. That's where they get their juice. But like, there does, at a point now, you are going to be targeted, like, especially in league. Every coach is going to come over to the rest before the game and be like, watch this guy. Like uh, Ivan Pace, perfect example. I know it's part of his game. Just keep your hands off the the opposing team. Like, of course, the, the one where he tapped Ashy Rice in the back of the helmet and, and got 15. Stupid. But you know why he probably got it? Because he tapped him in the back of the helmet when he was on the ground. And then he again tapped him in the back of the helmet when he got up. Like, you want to tap a guy, good play. Like, once. You do it one time. You don't do it twice. Like, I, I think that, you know, that whole shtick of, like, good play, uh, like, yeah. you know, like, it, 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 cut it out. Like, just don't do it anymore because they're looking for it. They're watching you do it, and and when they can, they're they're penalizing you for it. Right. I mean, like, Omarion Smith bumping the kicker, it's going to happen. Uh, Ryan he Malone, tried to slow up, and he just – He, he just should never even been that close to begin. He was never going to block a kick, so – I, I think he just got like he got, he got to the he, point he where put himself he, in yeah no man's land and he just yeah Ryan Mullaney like you're gonna have an illegal hands to the face sometimes it happens but like Eric Phillips has had multiple late hits like cut that stuff out yeah Ty Van Fossen and, and Ivan Pace about took that guy into the stands they were tackling him so late and Pace rips his helmet off <laughs> like 
and then he whatever to the their fullback on the run like does the same thing like tap taps his helmet or you know like pushes his helmet like those are the penalties that in these moments you're going to get pass interference calls like yes Arquan was holding rice you know on the play that got tipped up and caught for a touchdown like those are going to happen when you play aggressive defense and I'm totally fine with that but these like play these penalties that they had six first downs on penalties right six of their 21 I don't know what the total was but six is an outlandish number it was like 20 plus percent of their first downs were on penalties that's you can't you're it's what we talked about coming into the game you can't put yourself behind the sticks on offense and hand away first downs on defense and they did both of those 12 10 times yesterday you're giving the other team too many like you're just giving them extra opportunities i mean eric phillips late hit on the quarterback I thought that was a little cheap, but I thought it was because his hand. It was was late, and his arm was up at the guy's head. Like, it should be called. Like, if if that happened to Ben Bryant, we would want that called. Usually don't get it called, but you'd want it called. Right, I mean, because I think it's a a penalty. And then it's on top of a completed pass. So you're – that's a 30-something yard play. Like – Yeah, I mean, that one I – like – you're a defensive end. You're going for the quarterback. I, I didn't think it was egregiously late. Like I, but again, he's trying to, to impact the throw with his left hand, and as a result, his left hand is up near his face. I, I thought that one was one of those like we talk about the aggression penalties. Yeah, it stinks that it happened. I didn't, I didn't hate that one as much as some of the others. But now we're now we're getting into uh like which was worse because there were so many right I mean, well, I, mean, I thought this one was like sixth on the personal foul list yeah I mean it, like that that's a problem I didn't love uh the call on Javon Hicks it was terrible like he didn't extend his arm he he, he tapped him and then you know Tyler brings this up <laughs> is there any conspiracy we aren't getting calls since we're leaving like I don't think they're going to do you see any favors. They're not going to do any favors. So I don't think there's a conspiracy. But, like, on that play specifically, their offensive line is holding. Yeah. As he's rolling out. Like, that's the part that is funny to me is, like, I'm not saying UC is not deserving of these penalties. But SMU had three penalties. You know, I – there's it, there's quite a few holds that I that I saw that were not getting called. Um, so, but again, this is a UC thing. Like, you can't be we're not you can't be the town crier. Like, how many games are you just going to have double digit penalties for over hundred yards or damn near hundred yards? Like, you're not good enough. You're not consistent enough. This team is not last year. Right. They have really good players, but it's not that good. Like, we, we, you can't, you can look down on the conference, and, and we do, and I don't think it's good. But, like, you can't just give the opponent an extra 148 yards or 128 yards, whatever it was. Right. Whether it's against you or for them. Like, 
you know, you saw it last week in the in the Tennessee Alabama game. Yeah. Alabama. Just like I don't want to hear about this or that. Like, you know, we have to be better. We have to cut down on especially the pre-snap stuff. Right. That's stuff you can control. The pre-snap stuff, the out-of-bounds, the late stuff, those things need to be cleaned up. In the second half of a game that you are controlling against a team that cannot cannot stop the run, you cannot be starting drives first and 15. Right. Right. And think that, that you're going to have success. Because success then is second and nine and third and six, third and seven, third and eight. You know, if you run the ball successfully for eight yards, you still have seven yards to go to get that first down. Uh, I I did want to point out, Dave, this is the second time in three conference games, back to the conspiracy theory, that the opponent has not had a penalty at halftime. Tulsa did not have a penalty at halftime as well. (laughs) Like, come on. Like, I get it. Like, you're angry that they're leaving. But can we... Can we be a little less obvious about it? Like, neither of those teams committed a single infraction over a half of football? Come on. Really? Yeah, it was, um, it's not great. But again, like. You have to know it's coming now. Like, we're three games in. You have to know you're playing uphill in that regard. Yeah, you just have to, you know. You just like you said, you can't, you know, don't dap up the other guy. Don't say good. No, don't let, don't put yourself in a position where your intentions can be misconstrued. Misconstrued. Like just make the play go back to the, to your side. Right. I mean, the defense on a whole, you know, again, another quarterback's Barely over 50%. 179 passing yards. I mean, they are... <laughs> they've been throwing against everybody. They throw against everybody. And you, they did a great job in that regard. Rasheed Rice had 12 targets, only four catches, 41 yards, multiple drops. You know, both teams had a bunch of drops. I don't know what... If the it was the wind playing with them, if it was just... It was USF just a, was short-arming again. Like they did two years ago in Dallas. Yeah. So it, it was, you know, you had six more sacks. They were two for 15 on third down. They were four, four or five on fourth. Four or five on fourth down. But I mean, like two of 15 is an incredible number. I mean, we talked about what are the, what are two of the major things we need to see improve? And it's third down offense, third down defense. And third down offense was okay. Wasn't <laughs> I mean, if they make one more third down, they're 11 of 22, 50%. That's, right. You take well, that every day. Well, I'm still taking 10 of 22, considering what they've been. Yeah. And then but, 2 of 15 defensively. But their big problem today, or yesterday, was they gave up four touchdowns and four red zone opportunities. Which, last year's team would have had a stroke. I don't know if they gave up four touchdowns in the red zone all last year. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, it, I I wrote this. I, I alluded to this in the in the in the bites. 
we're at a point with this team and and it's like they okay we got to fix this and they they plug that hole and then another leak springs over here like you know the the penalties are down against usf plug that hole third down was an absolute disaster okay plug this hole now the the false starts and the the dumb shit offensively comes back into the well they they have too many they have too many issues in areas that that don't kill you but they keep games closer than they should be if you couldn't run the ball you could just say fine we just won't run the ball right or like if you say if you like we can't get sex like okay we just don't get pressure but we'll play drop a and we'll keep everything in front of us and we'll make a team go 15 plays to score their issues Instead, are, this might be the pre- best pressure team in the history of the yeah, program. Their issues are we commit too many penalties and we can't get off the field on third down and we can't keep drives going. That has nothing to do with what type of team you are. Like that is passing, that's rushing, that's stopping the run, that's stopping the pass, that's committing dumb pen- like so you can't just say like well we just won't do this and that'll alleviate that concern. Right. So it, it makes it hard to fix one thing because the other thing is still you know, a problem. still a problem that keeps the doesn't change the equation, so to speak. Right. But I mean but we you, know we know the, the, the flaws. Like we've we've talked about hit on the flaws over and over and over again. Um but but it is. It's like okay, well, this week the focus was clearly on this. And this got fixed, but while the focus was on this, this came back. This popped back up. Well, crap, we thought that problem, like, you hope you fix a problem, it stays fixed, and you can go on and fix the next problem. And that's how you improve stacking up over a season. Well, the problems showed themselves over the first two or three weeks, right? And one gets fixed, but but the next one pops back up. And, and then, you know, like I said, you're, you're patching one hole and the hole that you patched last week, uh, you, you patched it poorly. You didn't use flex seal. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, the duct tape is leaking from the hole that you fixed last week. Yeah, they, they have. And, the, and that's the thing is, is. Some of this stuff is is just on them. Like it's not like, right? You know, it's yeah. Yes, the the opponents obviously have things to do with third down conversion rates and stuff like that. But like, just cut down. Like some of these penalties and these and the yardage amounts are insane. Like 128 yards in penalty in accepted penalties is is psychotic. Right. <laughs> like right. And you know, the def the defense plays really, really good, but then in the fourth quarter, I'm like, they just, whether it's the penalties, whether it's Oh, it was the penalties. Whether it's the calls, you know, the the play calls themselves, like they just seem to like get totally scatterbrained and then as soon as it like needs to be reeled back in they reel it back in 
they like, like walking the tightrope. Like when it's like, oh shit, we just gave up a two touchdown lead, but now we need to stop them on this two point conversion. So we'll do that. Right. So I'm not going to absolve them of it, even though I thought they played really well, given what SMU wanted to do. Um, but again, you're up, you're up 14 with, you're up 15 with eight minutes to go in the game. Like this should not become a, uh, need to get a t- stop on a two point and convert a third and seven to ice it. Right. Convert a third and seven where you would have had to punt into the wind and give them two minutes. Well, they would have, they would have had about a minute, no timeouts left. Cause that, cause if you would have ran it, you know, if, I guess if you, but I'm saying like if that pass is incomplete, right. If the pass is incomplete, then yeah, you're, you're about looking a minute at 30. All they have to do is get into field goal range with the wind. I don't know. I have no clue what their field goal kicker is like, but yeah. Tyler, can I tell you this? This is the thing that is driving me more insane than anything right now. <laughs> like they, they do this to. in the Big Twelve. If they do that, they're not in the Big Twelve yet. Like they're not I, in the Big Twelve. Didn't impos- like they play exactly. Stop doing this to yourselves. Right. Right. Stop doing this to yourselves where everything you worry about is, is way off in the distance. And, and guess what? Watch the big 12. Those teams aren't playing perfectly. Like it's a lot of really, it's a lot of Cincinnati's in the big 12. Does that mean every game it's going to be more critical to not like make mistakes and errors? Sure. But quit doing this to yourselves guys. I like, I, I see it. Every time that something doesn't go right, do that the Big 12, they're going to get blown out. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, Quit I mean, doing it to yourselves. We've said our... We, I mean, hey, I'm all, I'm all for it. Because, like, <clears throat> I would much rather deal with, with those types of of things knowing that we've won 19 conference games in a row and like I don't give a shit if the AAC sucks I just like winning like I have this running it's kind of a joke on like my personal Twitter is that my my teams are 13 and 1 now and I'm still having fun right like I'm I don't like yes I was frustrated I thought that they should have played, could have played better, should have played better, should have won by more. But like the margin of victory doesn't change the fact of like, you see them celebrate after the game. That's to me, all that matters. Like they, they don't care about all that stuff. They know how hard it is to win. They're trying to do something that's never been done before uh, in school history, in conference history. Like, I just appreciate that element of it and enjoy and I enjoy it. Like you can be mad in the moment. And, and this kind of is, you know, for those that, you know, everyone learns this at a different time. Like I run the Bearcat journal Twitter page and people will think I'm lying. Other than the times that I actually send a tweet during the game, I do not look at Twitter. I do not think that what a fan has to say, yeah. 
I do not think that what a fan has to say in the moment is probably a thought-out, coherent, measured statement. And I do not read your reply, so I appreciate you jumping into the mentions, <laughs> but they're not getting read. So if, if you're frustrated that I don't respond to your angry tweet about why this... Just tweet, just tweet at me, I'll respond. Yeah, I don't... I say this loving all of you, I don't care. <laughs> like, I, I watch the game, I don't look at Twitter... I'll look up some interesting stats. If I think that there's some interesting stats, I'll make a comment. But, like, just put your phone down. Watch the game. Let it breathe. Let it play out. See what happens. Go outside after the game yesterday. Don't, you know, don't be angry. Your team is good. Are they national championship good? No. They're good, though. They win. There's a lot of teams that don't win. There's a lot of uh, Texas A&M fans not loving life right now. You know, there, there's a lot of people that would love to be in the situation the Bearcats are in. So, you know, don't get caught up in the micro, in the play to play to play to play of it. Like, sit back. Enjoy this run, man. Like, this is an incredible run that they're on. They're not all, they weren't all pretty last year. Right. I mean, we're not, I'm not even talking about – I mentioned earlier the, the, the two-lane Navy run where they looked like garbage against two teams that finished 2-10. and ten. Yeah. That's not even counting the miraculous win against Tulsa, you know, that – I shouldn't say miraculous win. A lot of people seem to forget that if they score there, they still had to get a two-point conversion to tie. Right. I think a lot of people's memories, not UC fans, but like a lot of people think that like they thought they, that was for the win. If they score there, they all just automatically won. So but like they're not an Ohio State. They're not a Alabama. Like you don't just go year over year and just run rough shot over your conference and and not have games where you played poorly and the other team plays well, or the other team even maybe plays poorly, but capitalizes on a few of your errors. Like, you know, I'm, I'll tweet out. So I saw, I did see a couple where like, I tweeted out something about the defense and someone responded with like, get Ben Bryan out. I want to be like, what the hell does that have to do with, with what I just said? <laughs> like, they just, they they got to get they, they got to get the tweet off, Dave. I mean, they got to let God you know sakes. how they feel. <laughs> like I tweeted that the defense through three quarters had been awesome, and the first response is Ben Bryant needs to go. I'm like, you you clearly don't understand the assignment, right? And you clearly don't know that I'm like not going to respond to that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Well, we know you would. Like yes, direct direct all your customer service. Uh, issues to at, at Chad Brendel, you know, <laughs> you, you direct them at me. It's a bounce. You get an automatic bounce back email. But, uh, you know, 
We all Mar- have our flaws, Dave. Mar- Marcus says this year is the perfect year for us to be in the AAC. Enjoy this year for what it is. And, you know, it really is. It's it's, uh, it's a bridge year. It's a bridge year. Like, we can – like, all, all season, we still thought this team was going to be really good. But, like, yeah. no one said they were going to be like last year's team. Like, you can – you can be encouraged and you can be optimistic and still understand that like you were not only replacing really talented players, but really veteran players and and players that you had seen perform and produce time over time over time. Like we, we liked a lot of the guys on this team, but you know, we're seven games in and this is their first real like significant action that they've seen. So you don't know how they're going to respond. You don't know if one good game means that it's the start of a, of a really, really good run, or you don't know if it's one good game and then a bad game. And they're an inconsistent player right now. They're a talented player, but they're not to the point of being a consistent player. And I think we're seeing a lot of that. That's what I think we're seeing. I think we have a lot of really good players who can perform, but they're not to the point where you can look at them as a consistent high-level performer. Right. And that might be... And that might even be in a game itself, not just game to game. That might be in periods of a singular game. Right. Awesome for a period of time. And then here comes the head scratching 15 yard penalty in the fourth quarter to keep a drive alive and allow a team to hang around. Yeah. Or, I mean, it's just like, or, you know, an offensive lineman has could be having a really good game, and then all of a sudden they give up like a a very basic interior rush that blows up a pl- like just stuff that really good players take time to develop to be really good consistent players, and I think that's what this year is. This is getting guys acclimated to bigger roles and seeing how they respond and how long they can carry their performance for. And right. can they build on performances week in and week out? And I think that's why we're seeing the inconsistent play is guys are just not quite to the point of being able to carry performance for a longer stretch like we were like we saw last year. Correct. I agree. Um, I I don't have a whole lot else left. No, I don't have much else on, um, on SMU. Another, another, uh, another one checked off the the box though. Never having to go back to Dallas. Except for the Cotton Bowl. Well, true, but yes, not to, um, not to the Hilltop. Right. Although I did, I did ask SMU and ESPN that in honor of our final game at SMU, if they would please release episode twelve of the Hilltop from last year. Never gonna happen, Dave. So, uh, and then I also did find it funny that they spent a, a good amount of time apologizing to fans for their overall like game day atmosphere and experience at the TCU game earlier this year, where they. Where they uh, uh, didn't have like enough water or good enough amenities or whatever, and said that they were doubling 
staffing and they were going to have all these things. And I'm thinking, oh, well, I mean, they must expect a big crowd. <laughs> you see somebody in the mentions there is somebody as some i think it was the message board somebody called it maybe my favorite term i've ever heard for uh a poor fan showing uh sitting room only instead of standing room only <laughs> sitting room only uh are we not going to celebrate the field goal kicking game we celebrated it we right? did. that was awesome i mean set a school record Five five made field goals in a game it was great on kickoffs. Even in his end of the wing kickoffs were, were better were, than theirs. Were strong. Um. So I think he's definitely. I mean, he talked about it in the post game, like confidence level has well, to be you know a lot higher. Um, he's. I mean, look, he's got, a, got a monster of a leg. He kicked it, even though it was with the wind, like you can tell the difference between his leg and their kicker's leg on kick, especially on kickoffs. Like he kicked a couple balls, like almost like went into the stands in the air. That somebody, somebody at the grail was like, did that go out of the end zone? I was like, yeah, there's, there's a 30 mile an hour, uh, tailwind, but yeah, he, he, he almost kicked it into the student section. So I, it's great to like that's that's a weapon that they're going to need if they're going to have to keep playing in these close games. That's a weapon that they're going to need going forward. They don't win that game without Ryan Co. Oh no, period. They, they squandered way too many opportunities in the red zone. Yeah. So, but no, I think that's all I've got from a. Um, here. I have to get another uh, beverage, so why don't you uh, say something real quick about something that happened in college football yesterday. Something that happened in college football yesterday. Uh, How about it being an interesting night, pun intended, in Greensboro, or Greenville, sorry, Greenville. An interesting night in Greenville as what looked like a UCF juggernaut offense for the past couple weeks uh, was was ground to a screeching halt by the ECU Pirates. They they did they made it look easy stopping that UCF attack. They they punched the ball away. They intercepted John Rise Plumley. Um, they they Dave they dominated UCF. Yeah, you mean to tell me Temple's no good? Turns out Temple's not any good. I just thought that their game plan was outstanding. ECU, like, yeah. yes. Like the well, way that- they all. I mean, their, it was their game plan for Holt Nailers to complete like ninety six percent of his passes for. Like it, it feels like once a year, Holt Nailers does something that makes us think. Every year after, dude, that guy. Once he puts it together, that guy's going to be a beast. I think that that was though the way it started though was built on the way they ran the ball. Yeah, which you can run the ball in UCF, and then the way they played, like the way they defended them, I thought was perfect, and, and is what UC should do in the sense of like just try to get there with three or four, basically have somebody spy uh, Plumley and make him make him throw the ball. Yeah, I don't understand their their touches distribution like i don't know if something's up but like johnny richardson and Ryan o'keefe never touched the ball 
you wonder if UCI or if ECU somehow schemed them out of it. And and uh, O'Keefe had back to back like hundred plus game, two touchdown games, and then didn't get a, didn't get a touch until like the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, but the, the, all, you guys can cover the game itself and the rest of the conference. The part that's the most interesting is that it totally changes the equation about ne- about the ne- next week's game. Yeah. Like because Tulane and UCF have to play each other, and UC still plays Tulane at home the last game of the year, UC does not have to win next week to go to the conference championship. Right. Like they could lose to UCF and then who one of those two teams is going to lose when they play each other. And then as long as they beat Tulane, they're in the conference championship. Yeah. They're going to be one of two. No, I like don't it's, know. A, it's, it's a three-way race now pretty clearly, unless just utter chaos happens. Yeah. But so does, I mean, that, wor- does that concern you more about ECU and, a couple weeks, two no, weeks. They're not losing to ECU at home. Okay. Like ECU played really well. They've also lost, you know, to Navy. Right. <laughs> so, you know, those games are still there for them. Um, but it, it changes the it changes the formula a lot for next week. They're great. Go right. down there and win, and you basically, you know. Don't you don't have anything to worry about at that point? It's a two. I mean, they have two losses, and you have the tiebreaker, and it's basically you, and then whoever comes out. So, uh, around the country, I'm going to start in Columbus, where the Buckeyes did not really play that great, and still won by 44. Iowa, like somebody asked Pat Forty this, and I, I think it's a great. Question. I mean, they did. They had the six turnovers. <laughs> is it the biggest discrepancy in offense and defense? Is Iowa the biggest discrepancy in offense and defense in college football this year, or in the history of college football? Because their defense is outstanding. It's got to be up there. And their even... offense is the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah, their defense is is really good now. Granted, they still gave up a ton, but that was – I don't know. I didn't see the, the you know, the true breakdown of it all. Um, but, yes, I, they, they decided – they finally – this is this is Iowa's offense to a T. They finally decided to make a quarterback change, right? Yeah. To start the second half. First play of the second half, new quarterback fumbles the ball. <laughs> So like, I mean, I I've said the last couple of weeks I I think Ohio State's the best team they have, they they've they have not had the you know close encounter well against anybody like you know you can say it's because their defense has now matched their offense their defense is just fine right better than fine I mean it's it's. It's not a disaster like it has been the past right. couple of years. Like they, they have not had, you know, I, I would say Tennessee has the best resume, but Ohio State has not had the close win against inferior opponent type situation yet. So I'm going to give right. them the benefit of the doubt. Um, the Vols had a real tough one against UT Martin. Hey. It was a nail-biter early. They, yeah, 7-7, and they scored 50-something unanswered points. 
They'll always have seven to seven. I did see a, a tweet from, I think it was from Barstool, where Tennessee, he, his name's Princeton Fant. He plays kind of this like weird fullback, H-back wide receiver, but also quarterback position. Yeah. He's the guy that had the shovel pass t- touchdown against Alabama. He had a better quarterback rating yesterday than I was quarterbacks. Right. <laughs> so... But uh, I, I mean, I, it, it's hard to believe a team is that bad on offense in 2022. You're not. You're just not trying. Like you're not trying. Why? If you played offense, why would you ever go there? Other than I'm going to play. Like, I know. Ask that Caleb uh, Caleb Johnson kid from Cincinnati who went there to play yeah. running back. Oh, I'd go there to play running back. Like they're they, they can't even run the ball anymore. I know, but you're gonna you're gonna get the ball. A lot. Like if you can't, if you can't yeah, do it, and get with hit it. and get hit a lot because no yeah. one thinks you're gonna pass. So right. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Clemson yanks their quarterback, comes back and beats Syracuse. I'm. That's the end a, for DJ Ukulele, right? That's a very weird Dabo move, man. He, the kid had been getting better. Dabo had been riding him like, oh, he's he's this, he's that, and then all of a sudden, like, shit, we're not looking good. Better get him out. Like, We're not losing to Syracuse, Dave. I mean, yeah, but <laughs> you're just like I don't know what that says about your team, though. Yeah, that's yeah. the that's got to be the end for him, right? Like you don't come back from that. I don't know. I bet he starts next week. You think so? I mean, Clay or whatever his name is, Cade Klubnik. Um, Klubnik, yeah. He had a lot of really nice and good teammate type things to say after the game. Now we'll see who starts. Like they tried to play him earlier. He's not ready to play. Bungale is not very good either. DJ Uwe Uwe. Yeah. Ukulele. Natalie. See, Natalie knows what's up. Dabo said DJ's the guy. Hey, just needed a spark. Just couldn't. Even if he is the guy, you, you, you don't come back from that. Do you? Like, you have created a situation where he wasn't playing well, you replaced him, and then you won. Right, so... So every time... Not so much of Dabo Dabo saying that he's the guy, it's that... Is DJ, every time a play doesn't go right, Right. is is the crowd getting antsy? Is he looking over his shoulder? Like, am I coming out now? Like... The next time it's it's fourteen to the the other team's winning fourteen to ten at halftime. Like, or, or you know, you, you throw a pick six in the third quarter to to put the other team in the lead. It's stuff like that. Like, I, I think it's just if he's going to come back from it, he's going to have to be great, and I don't think he's great. No. No, definitely not. Um, weird, weird things happening in Baton Rouge. Uh, people are really realizing that Brian Kelly can coach football. Holy, can't can't believe how they're fi- just now figuring that out. But apparently, they are. Like, uh, I think Ole Miss is a little overinflated based on who they had played and and some of the way that those games have gone. But like. Uh, LSU's a missed extra point in week one against 
Florida State from being seven and one and looking real damn good. Did you see my tweet exchange last I night? I did with 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 Mike. Yeah, I really did that, by the way. I know. You were there. You've seen it. I've seen it. I, I would boo him every time I saw him, just to let him know how displeased the fans were with him. Yeah, I mean, dude can coach. They're going to get dudes. Jalen or Jaden Daniels is is quite the dual threat right now. Uh, uh, look, you cannot like Brian Kelly. Oh, he's not a, liking I think Brian he's Kelly a, is easy. He's a terrible human. Yeah, but guess what? He's He's won everywhere he's been. He's been coaching for like 40 years. So He can coach some ball. He can coach some ball. Now we'll see when they play play Bama. You know, can he sure. go up against Nick? Well, and... the Saban guy can also coach some ball. Yes. Um, Texas apparently still not back. You know, loses that loses when, when are the media going to learn? When? Dang, they were. I, I need to know. I think they were getting like six and a half on the road at Oklahoma State, or they they were giving six and a half. Giving six and a half on yeah, the like road what? at Oklahoma State. Like what? This has been going on for fifteen years, Dave. This isn't like we're two or three years removed from Texas being great. They've lost to Kansas. Like, multiple times they've lost to Kansas. And not Lance Leopold, Kansas. No, like, like Les Miles, Kansas. Right. Like, like uh, Charlie Weiss, Kansas. <laughs> who was the other fat guy? Mark Mangino? Mark, they were good when they had, they went to the Orange Bowl when they had Mark Mangino. Yeah. That's when they had Chase Daniel. But um, quit buying that, like, Texas is not back. They're not going to be back. Sark is not a good coach. It does have to be sweet, even though these teams like Texas and Oklahoma aren't leaving after this year. It does have to be sweet for those fans when they do beat them. Oh, absolutely. Like, and they might lose to them next year or whatever, but like this is the first year after they said they were leaving. Right. So it just has to be like. Uh, ecstatic so just so sweet to just shove another loss on them as they get ready to go get a lot of losses shoved on them in the sec right, right. Uh, oh, breaking or, news dave charlotte is fired with will healy oh they have yeah that's a bummer i liked will named your son after him right <clears throat> no um oregon good ucla uh, not as good as we thought they were. Maybe not as good as we thought. I still think good, but I think the overreaction to the Oregon-Georgia game is now officially in the past, and, like, you can just say Oregon's good. Because if you get I mean, the – if you get that, the, was a, that was a parade to the end zone. If you get Every the 20, 22 for 28 two, for 283 and five touchdown Bo Nicks, that's the that's the Bo Nicks experience uh, everyone would sign up for. It's not always the Bonex experience you get. No, it's not. But in the Pac-12, it might be. True. True. <laughs> I mean, they obviously uh, – I don't know if they play USC or not. I'd have to, I'd have to look. I, don't, I can't – I don't want to say – You obviously. talk, I'll look. Um, there wasn't a ton else. Like, 
Bama did what they wanted to do in Mississippi State. That's not that wasn't a big surprise. Um, Penn State had a nice bounce back against the Fighting Boat Rowers, who, you know, good good for no, them. No USC. No USC. So, and they host Utah. Yeah, I'm not real concerned about that. Um, so they get like, Cal, Colorado, Washington. Utah and then Oregon State. Oregon State so they but, should they should win out. I mean, yeah, I think they they could drop one in there, but uh, but they're good, definitely good enough to win out. Bad day for Jimbo. It's been a bad coach. Bad, bad coach, Dave. Um, I don't. Is he, is he a not great coach? He's not a bad coach. I think he is a uh, a bad adapter. He has been he is known to have a ridiculous playbook and ask a ridiculous amount of his quarterbacks and if as a Tennessee fan I think it's fair to say that if you have a very easy playbook that allows your players to play extremely fast big Josh uh, Heifel guy good things can happen big Josh Heifel guy yeah, so Big. I think we're seeing that like they're kind of lost in the sauce, so to speak. Like, I guess here's my question: Great ACC coach, bad SEC coach, or at least not above water SEC coach. Yeah, and he also had a. A generational quarterback in Jameis Winston. Right. And a bunch of other really good players at Florida State. And he has not gotten quarterbacks or developed quarterbacks since he's been. And even at the end of his run after Jameis left, it was it was an issue. And certainly it's been that way at Texas A&M. But, I mean, they're not firing him because, I mean, they're going to just give him 90 million bucks. Yeah, to go away. Boy, <laughs> Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker really screwed over a lot of schools last offseason. Really screwed over a lot of a lot of athletic departments last offseason. Oh, he didn't screw anybody over. No, he screwed over all the athletic departments that are like, well, if that's the if that's the market rate now, we gotta pay it. Well, and then Jimbo everybody got, paid it. Jimbo got it before Mel did. Oh, did he? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um you know, there's there's not a ton. There it wasn't good, a great college football day. There were good. I mean, I enjoyed like Texas, Oklahoma State, UCLA, Oregon, Ole Miss, LSU were all on at three thirty. That was fun. TCU wins again against Kansas State. Kansas State had a hundred players hurt. TCU's kind of been pulling the Bengals, where it feels like every game they play is against like a backup quarterback. But they, sh- you know, and they get sw- down by seventeen every yeah, time, and then come back. But, uh, um, but yeah, that was uh, Tulane wins again. They're on this top twenty-five scoreboard that I'm looking at. They, they were up th- they were up thirty-five nothing at halftime, and then all of a sudden yeah. it was thirty-eight twenty-eight. Memphis has the ball inside their ten-yard line, and then Ryan Silverfield, not sure what he was doing there. Um, some very suspect coaching uh very suspect coaching things <laughs> going on 
that you know kept them. You know, they might, they probably still wouldn't have won, but uh, Tulane, I think, still has. You know, they obviously still have UCF at home and Cincinnati. And Cincinnati, uh, and they go to Tulsa and versus SMU. So. SMU could beat them. No, yeah, there's no like uh they have no none of the Temple South Florida Navy left. I I feel bad for South Florida. Why? It felt like they were finally getting some traction with Bohannon. And they and like, then he's out for the year. And then he's out for the year. Like they were in that game last week until he got hurt. Yeah. I I still don't know why they ran off the kid that started last year. I no, and send him to UCF, where I think he's going to end up being substantially better than John Rice Plumley going forward. But we'll talk about some of that stuff tonight in the uh, always yeah. popular AAC recap. That's right. If um, if Aaron has a computer, uh, his laptop was like, uh, I couldn't update, and I'm not updating, and. Is it, still, is it still updating right now? Is he here? Uh, no. <laughs> but, I, uh, I had to pull myself out of bed and come down here to be with you. Well, I am greatly, greatly indebted. This is, this is, Kelsey spent the night with a friend last night. So this was actually one of those like I can like really sleep in <laughs> opportunities that is uh, gone by the wayside. Well, it's not it's not my fault. I didn't say it was your fault. I'm not blaming you. <laughs> oh, in I'm any just, way, I know. Way. I know you are. I'm just letting everybody know. No, it was not Dave's fault. I, I could have let Dave just go big screen, big head, and then have to uh, carry this bad boy by himself the entire well, time. But I wouldn't want to do that to him. Yeah, I would be rough. Um. Bengals? What are your Bengals thoughts for the day, buddy? Um, Can they stop the Falcons' run? That's what this comes down to, right? Um, well, partly, it's can the Falcons stop the Bengals' pass? Because if they can't, then how much can the Falcons run? True. But they're going to run no matter what. Yeah, but it might be pointless. <laughs> they can't. You know, the Bengals' passing game seems to... Be doing better, getting getting on on pace. Um, they've changed how they've ran the ball to to much more success. Um, and you know, the Falcons are doing a lot of you know, all the credit to them. Three and three in the NFL, three and three in the NFL. They're doing a lot of it with smoke and mirrors. Um, like their defensive numbers are atrocious, yet they're somehow in these games, winning these games. Um, It's been the absolute worst case scenario for Dez, right? Because Mariota hasn't been good. Well, no, he was terrible two weeks ago, and then last week he's 13 for 14. But he hasn't, like, he hasn't been up and above average. Like, he's 13 for 14, but how many of those throws were more than – Oh, they're over like 100, the yeah, like 114 yards or something. Right, right. But the, the problem being, the Falcons are far exceeding expectations. 
where everybody thought they were going to be maybe the worst team in the NFL. Like that was the talk. Like, well, it's a great spot for Dez short term, but long term, they're just going to take CJ Stroud with the number one pick in the draft because they're going to be absolute dog shit. And they're doing just enough to win and hang around in games to where you're not going to make a quarterback switch. Well, I think at some point they just have to. They have to see what they have. To see what they have. Yeah. No, that doesn't They're in playoff contention, quote-unquote, at the moment at 3-3. Three and three. Sure. But, I mean, I guess I'm looking at it in the sense of, like, Mariota is not your future guy, regardless of how this season goes. So I think it would be it would be bad business to not have an un, get as much of an understanding of what Desmond Ritter is to you before next year's draft. Like that doesn't mean you're taking a quarterback in the, you know, in the first round, like, but you have to have some idea. Like you can't go into next year with knowing that Marcus Mariota is not our future guy, but we don't know if Des is or not. Right. But again, again, though, like you said, if they keep kind of doing this staying above water, staying around 500 thing, it's hard to then pull a, pull a starting pull a starting quarterback and look at your you know thirty something year old veterans and say yes we're like you know one game out of the playoff hunt or whatever but we need to see what this rookie can do. Andrew, the answer is simple. Main question: We need to run off the clock. Why not put Prater in instead of Ben? Uh, ben is the starting quarterback for this team. Like it or not, that is Luke Fickle's philosophy. He has a starting quarterback. You may see Evan uh, in in a, come in for a situational play here and play there, but Ben is the quarterback for this team. Well, if you're trying to run out the clock, there's no threat of Evan scrambling. Right. He's either running it or he's handing it off. So it's, yes, there's a, a, a slight variation to who might be carrying the ball, but someone is carrying the ball. Right. Uh, and I'm still, I, my opinion on that element hasn't changed. Like I'm still a proponent of giving him opportunities. I am too, but I'm talking about like, uh, you know, uh, fourth quarter up 15, Evan Prater's the quarterback Yeah, no, because they're trying to run clock. No, no, no. It's not going to happen. I I mean, I, we can we can discuss it until the cows come home, but Luke Fickle has made his philosophy on this very clear. Right. That's that's the thing. Is like if you're in, I'm sure that's what a lot of the my fun mentions that I don't read are about. Like that's your take. That's fine. You're just saying that you disagree with Luke. Okay. Right. You want to be on that side of like forty nine and eight eight the last however many games like you can be on that side go ahead go ahead i'm not on that side. i'm not i'm not going to be on that side i'm not going to live there that's fine i'm not going to i'm not going to put out for public consumption that i'm vehemently opposed to what the guy that's won i don't know the quick math uh 86 87 percent of his games over the last uh number of years uh, situationally, no, because it it 
It's obvious then. Right. Like first, like when they put him in first and 10, first and 10. 10. Yes. Sure. I'm not bringing in a, like it still might work. Like that's the thing is like the outcome doesn't dictate the decision to me. Like you can bring him in on fourth and one and they can get the first down. And that's fine. But like you're, you are telegraphing exactly what you're trying to do. Right. I'm against that. Now it still might work. And you can say, well, who cares if you're telling them what you're going to do? You, you still have better players. You should scheme, you should block it up better. You should scheme it up better. And you can still get the first down and, and, you know, go, go forward. My, my point is like, I'm bringing him in. You know, if you want to like, I'd have been fine. Like with the interception, First and ten at the first and goal at the ten. Bring him in. Yeah. On first down, and maybe it's only for that play. Right. But if you bring someone in on fourth and one, like just quarterback sneak. Why can't we quarterback sneak, Dave? <sighs> Dude, don't. I know. There was a, they run it to that side when there's a wide open gap for a for a quarterback sneak on that play. Yeah. Quarterback sneak, get up under center, hike the ball. That's a very good uh, conversion. Put Josh and Lenny behind him to push him. Very good conversion rate. Quarterback sneak, fourth and one, every time. But every time. That being said, I'm out of I'm I'm out of uh, voice at this point. All right, Bearcats in the NFL, they're doing great. They are doing great. We've totally glossed over that today. I'm sorry. Uh, they're doing great. Sauce is great. Alec Pierce had a virtually a game-winning touchdown. Um, Jason Kelsey's great. Travis Kelsey's great. Dude, New Heights is New Heights is must. It's the best sports podcast there is right now. I saw a, a funny tweet from uh, Robert Mays, who runs like the main NFL podcast for the Athletic. Yeah, he's like, I've been doing this he's twelve like, years. I've been doing this twelve years, and Jason Kelsey's already better at hosting a podcast than I am. <laughs> He's so good at it. Like it, it's annoying. <clears throat> it's yeah, annoying how natural he is at hosting that show. He's he's been very good. But uh and they're hilarious. Like, oh the, yeah. The, the like, Tom the, Brady bit was no, outstanding. The, the game day the game day, the game day fit. fit. When they were, did you see like them going back and forth on like oh, yeah. it was Instagram or what? When Travis was wearing like leather gloves, yeah, and a, and a leather hat or something, <laughs> and he's like, "Yes, I'm sure you wear this just on on everyday, uh, you know, right. instance, instances." The the brother dynamic <laughs> is just it's so good. The, the we broke dad when they broke their dad's ribs, yeah, like horsing around, like just. Everything about it is outstanding. Like it, it, it is quickly becoming like I've got a couple podcasts that are like every week I when I'm in the car because it's like 30 minutes here, 30 minutes back to UC or what you know, mm-hmm. if I gotta go to the radio station, like okay, podcast is going on. That is quickly becoming number one. Yeah. Because you know it's gonna be entertaining, it's gonna be funny, and you're gonna get great football talk on top of that yeah they talked about sauce recently they're doing a, a segment now where they they talk about like the bearcats in the nfl and they give out their award for the best bearcat in the nfl that week um 
But they talk about their games. Like, did you see Jason talking about that scuffle at the end of the Cowboys game? No, I have not had a chance to, like, truly dig into it yet. So, he – there was late in the game, him and one of the defensive linemen for the, the Cowboys kind of got into, into it. Um, Jason kind of baited him. Guy was second to react. Uh, got a 15-yard penalty. The Eagles got a first down. Um, but Jason was like, you know, the play before I finished him late and pissed him off. So I knew at the snap, like it's, it's, it's on, like it's going down. So then it goes down and I take him down and then he gets up and he like Goldberg spears me. And like, I'm sure he was happy. I'm sure he was happy that, you know, he got me and then I was happy because we got 15 yards. We got the first down. We won the game. Like, haha, I win. Andrew, we're not saying it makes you a Luke hater. It's, it's, we're just telling you this is how Luke operates. Like, you can disagree with it. That's fine. But I don't see him changing the way he operates. And nobody said it makes you a horrible person. We're seeing this on the message board too, Dave. Like when 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 people try to explain like the, the the Prater stuff, people try to explain this is where Luke's coming from. This is how he's operated. We have now six years of evidence of what he's going to do. If you want to think differently, that's fine. He's not changing. He's not because they're trying to hold a lead, putting Evan in to be his quarterback in the fourth quarter. Will he do it situationally at times? Yes. But is it going to be something where he changes completely who he is? No. Nobody's calling you a horrible person. Nobody's saying you're a Luke hater. We're saying if you want to go against what you know of how he is going to be and how he's going to make his decisions, that's fine. But don't expect it to change. Because this is what he's done. It's worked. It's how he's, you know, over the last five years winning almost 90% of his games. Like, you're not a hater. Nobody thinks you're a horrible person. But I think you're a great person. We've never even met. (laughs) It's not anything at you specifically. You asked a question, right? I I love that people like. Or, or get fired up and have opinion and, and things. Um, but but if you ask a question, like this an intricate or a, an, an integral part of raising right, my daughter. Do you, do you want an answer? Do you want an unanswer or do you want the answer that affirms your opinion? Right. Do you want that's after, not what we do? Like that's the thing I see, especially with your feed, is people want you to affirm what they believe to be true the way that things should happen. And we're like, I just laid out multiple times in this podcast where I just totally disagreed with decisions that the coaching staff made yesterday. Right. Totally disagree with it. But like, I'm, I guess I just, I don't understand like the beating your head against the wall about an opinion such as this one that keeps getting discussed when you know if you're a fan that has watched this team 
for any amount of time over the last six years that like it's just not gonna happen. So you can you can say like I disagree. I think he should be putting him in more, or I think that they should do this. And I'm not gonna tell you you're wrong. I'm just gonna say, well, that's not gonna happen. So you're just gonna continue to be frustrated about something that you know isn't gonna happen. That's like me going and playing golf and getting pissed off that I can't hit 330-yard straight drives, even though I've got 30-something years of evidence telling me that I can't hit 330-yard straight drives. Can you hit 330-yard crooked drives? On occasion. Okay. So, like, that that's my thinking is, like, I know the result. Why am I going to get mad when it doesn't go the way that I want it, even though I know how it's already – I already know how it's going to go. Right. That's not that's not saying anything negative about you or no, your opinion. I don't, I, I'm fine with it. Like, I would much rather have dialogue and conversation and back and forth when it's reasonable than have apathy and uh, and people be not interested and not care. And if they were losing games, I think this is a conversation that can be had at any position when you're not a successful team. But like. You, you you don't have a very like strong limb to stand on when if they just... were two and four let's 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 have a different conversation right like the, you know you're winning games are they as clean and pretty as we'd all like no they're I don't know if they're ever gonna be <laughs> Royal links will get you to three Royal links will get me places that I'm not sure they're gonna, you know, improve improve my game game at all. <laughs> well, some of those big fairways, you could just bomb it and hope, like that's right, like the, hell. The fa- the fairways in in uh, in the the uh, British Isles are a, a, a bit wider than some that I play here, but I digress. Uh, uh, you know, keep keep firing those tweets though, Chad. You know, it it really helps him decompress after after a long day um it makes really, me laugh i, I really that's loves, my that's my the the cross i bear it's really, the things that make me laugh drive everybody else crazy he really loves the engagement that i he, he tells me you know that, that his favorite thing is when people ask him to ask certain questions in the press conferences he really loves Look. he really loves that so Look. Yeah. I, I want to get this message out there. Tuesday nights, 8 o'clock. Go to the Montgomery Inn. Call 700 WLW. You have a chance to ask Luke questions. You can do that. You can. It's there. It's the, You can do it. Yeah. Uh, and I ask tough questions about football stuff every week. I'm just not doing it in that format. I like I, I I'm not carrying your water. You're angry. You're upset. You're having a a a a, 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 a tantrum over a football game. <laughs> Yelling at me to ask the coach questions isn't how it works. You also get one or two questions a week. You want to ask questions that you know will get good answers to. Right. We're not good. You know, you're not going to waste a question on, hey, why did you call this play in the third quarter with four and a half minutes left? And, you know, st- like you're not going to get a good answer to that question. He's going to make fun of you 
and then he does that anyway. Right, but then he's going to like brush it aside, and there's your wasted there's your wasted question for the day. That the whole hold them accountable, like or donate a bunch of money, and then you can go to practices and you can you can you can ask them all the questions you want. (laughs) Tuesday nights they allow you a forum to ask the coach questions. Believe me, give it a shot. I think some of those people that ask questions are the same people that are, uh, you know, oh, in, your sure. men- in your mentions. For sure. <laughs> so. For sure. You have your opportunity. I promise. All right. We've, we've gone over your, your normal I know. time. See, bring you on here and. I talk a lot. Things go poorly. Um, although. I talk a lot. You know, I always, it always cracks me up. The, the more frustrating volatile game the more people want to jump in you win 70 to 7 and, and nobody's nobody's the, the chat out. is empty yeah we haven't gotten many of the 70 to 7s though no not, <laughs> not this year but uh but again thank you everybody for for joining us on another victory sunday thanks again to our great sponsor royal links golf tours and uh hopefully you are checking out all the podcasts the BBP, the BCJ, the PTP, the Rock of Truth, the Nightcaps. Big, big week. Two-minute warning. There's Reagan. Oh, She's logged yep. into the Bearcat Journal account. Reagan, Reagan, you're in the media. You can come to the presser. You can ask. We can have Reagan ask the questions. We can. Ooh, that's great. We'll have Reagan <laughs> get blown up by Luke, so it's not me. Reagan, see you Tuesday at noon. Second floor of the Linder Center. See what but, you did to yourself just now? See what you did? But uh, <laughs> big, big week coming up. The uh, Everybody's everybody's favorite opponent uh, is, is, I'm sure, going to be primed and ready after their performance last night. So we will uh, we'll have all angles covered. And we thank you again for joining us on the Bearcat Brunch. Take advantage of what looks like another wonderful fall afternoon and we will catch you next sunday morning cincinnati